Welcome to the Make Disciples podcast, a short weekly podcast where we will share topics, ideas, and resources useful to you in your effort to follow Jesus as a disciple. Well, welcome back to another episode of the Make Disciples podcast. My name is Dan, and it's good to be here with you. And once again, I'm joined in the podcast studio with senior pastor David McNeely. David, glad to have you here with us. Good to be back. Yeah, good to uh, get into uh, this uh, topic. You actually got this short straw because uh, you get uh, what a difficult topic to get into today. Uh, And it's a bit of a summary topic that we have to discuss because over this entire season, we've been talking about the doctrine of God, trying to understand the Bible says about God, what we can know about God through various forms of revelation. But today we're getting into the topic of the oneness of God. Now, let's clarify our terms right from the outset. When we talk about the oneness of God, we aren't talking about uh, a Unitarian belief that's rejecting uh, Trinitarianism, or we aren't talking about uh, a similar idea in oneness Pentecostalism. And even Muslims and Baha'i use the idea of oneness to reject the Trinity or reduce all beliefs in the divine down to one thing. So that's not what we're talking about. So uh, when we talk about oneness of God, Another term that's used is this idea of divine simplicity, this belief that God is without distinguishable parts or characteristics. But uh, tell, tell us a little more about this. What is this idea of the oneness of God? Yeah, I like, uh, I like the term simplicity as well. Uh, I think oneness is good, but I, I like the term simplicity. So somebody put it this way, God's simplicity entails that his essence and existence are identical. Hmm. So uh, who he is uh, cannot be reduced to any one thing. It is the totality of who he is, and all of those are of equal importance. So what this means is there's just no composition or division within the divine nature. So simplest terms, again, you cannot elevate one attribute of God above all the others. I love R.C. Sproul, who is with the Lord now. He flirts with this. I'm okay with the way he described it, but I think he flirts with it when he says the holiness of God is the umbrella in which every other attribute falls under. Again, I think he flirts with it. If you would have pinned him down, he would, he would agree with, with divine simplicity. He would, he, of course, he would say that the oneness of God. Anyway, we just can't take any one attribute and elevate it above all the others. Yeah. And I've heard that uh, in other environments where theologians like to uh, have these uh, navel-gazing episodes where they're like, (laughs) which one attribute should be the central attribute of God, like the holiness of God, or I've heard other people talk about the love of God as Mm -hmm. a central attribute of God. And certainly they're incredibly important, but to emphasize one over the other is highly problematic because God is that in its fullness and all of those other things as well. All of those attributes in one unified Form. Now, we can take this even uh, a more complicated way and say that we talk about God as possessing attributes, but God doesn't possess attributes. He is mm. those attributes. God does not possess existence. God is existence. God does not possess love. God is love. In fact, 1 John 4 tells us that, that God is is love. The one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. 
So it's not that God possesses loving attributes. God is the very definition of love and mercy and holiness and justice. There is no division between those things. But let's talk about it in this way. Why does all this matter? Why is this important for us to understand? Yeah, I love when you pitched this idea. I said, yes, we have got to do that. It's been my experience over the years, starting in youth ministry, and then certainly now as time's gone on working in with uh, folks at large. It's been my experience that when we take one attribute of God and we elevate it above the others and we try to bank on that one, that we become confused. And when God does not operate the way that we think he should operate based on the attribute that to us becomes the most important. So you go into the Old Testament. And you see the Pharisees that Jesus is interacting with, and they did not have a concept of God being that compassionate, that merciful, that gracious. They understood and wanted that for the people of Israel, but they did not have a concept of how God would do that. All they were doing was focusing on the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, the justice of God, so that God would wipe out all of the wicked. So when Jesus comes along and now he starts interacting with sinners, in a way that was kind of, they missed the Savior because they just could not fathom that God would do that. Well, it's gotten flipped on this side uh, where we are. And I find um, that too many people, uh, many of us fall into the trap of saying, if God is a loving God, then he won't. And you fill in the blank. Yeah. And so when God does something that to me seems to be unloving or inconsistent with his love, then I become not just disappointed in God, because being disappointed in his actions is fine. God gives us the freedom to come to him with you know, my disappointments, et cetera, I'm confessing. Um, but it leads to actually disillusionment with God. And so people will give up on a relationship with God because God was not functioning in the way that they really wanted him to function. Because this one aspect has been elevated to an area of, um, and pitted against the other attributes of him. So we start asking those questions. How could God, if God is loving, how could he do this? And um, that gets really dangerous. Um, again, I don't, please hear this. I don't have to like every decision God makes. I have a finite mind. I will never understand him, his ways fully. But I'm going to be on very dangerous ground. Um, when I start demanding that he functions in the way that I want him to function, um, or otherwise um, I'm, I'm walking away. Yeah. Not to simplify a discussion of divine simplicity. Do you catch what I did there? <laughs> yeah. But it, it sounds like uh, that's essentially turning God into a bit of a salad bar. You know, yeah. we, we don't have a lot of salad bars out there anymore. And apparently it's not healthy or meet health standards. We, we need more Jason Delis yes. here in, in yeah. Tallahassee. Growing up for me, it was the Pizza Hut salad bar oh, that God I loved. Love. Yeah. With the pizza and the pasta and the breadsticks. And then you had the main <laughs> uh, salad area, you know. But you get to choose, right? You know, if there's the, you skip over the kidney beans, but uh, you take <laughs> advantage of the bacon bits and the croutons and whatever else you're looking for there. The danger for us is when we start taking only the things that we want to take as if we have the ability to fashion or design our own 
version of God. And, and that's the furthest thing from the truth because we don't get to design God. We can barely understand God and even aspects of him. Uh, someone once said that uh, if God was small enough to fit inside the human brain, he would not be big enough to be God. And so we truly can't understand him. So the point that we're trying to make with all this is we have to accept all of God. We have to accept all that he is and uh, recognize his utter transcendence uh, of all of these different things. It, it moves beyond ordinary categories and distinctions and say that this is the entirety of who he is. Now, can we conclude this by talking a little bit positively yeah. about it? What is uh, hopeful about this doctrine in your mind? At the very least, um, if I will embrace this divine simplicity, if I'll embrace that God has multiple characteristics that guide, direct, et cetera, decision-making uh, that he has, if I will embrace, then at the very least, I can take solace and peace knowing that, hey, it's not the decision I wanted him to make, but he is always and only going to operate in a perfect sense in everything that he does. So if he makes a decision to put on display his justice, I can say, God did that perfectly. This wasn't just a moment like I would have or you would have, you know, where we just sort of get irritated with our kids. And, and so I make a rash decision. It's emotional. That's not God. God is going to operate um, and make decisions every single time. It's going to be the perfect decision, the best possible decision that could be made. Action may be a better way to say it. God, God's action. Um, at the very least, I can take solace in that, even if I'm confused, you know, as to uh, why something may have happened or I can hurt, but I really can simultaneously experience peace knowing that he's just a whole lot wiser. Uh, he's got more of the, certainly his plan um, in mind. So I, for me, that's at the very least, it keeps me tethered to the Lord when I am utterly confused um, with it. That's the, the real positive aspect of it for me. Yeah. A biblical example comes to mind is that of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, where they stood up and said, uh, we will not bow down. And so they're getting ready to be thrown into a fiery furnace. And they're saying, our God can deliver us from this. But even if he doesn't, we're still going to trust him. And so that's a strong statement of saying, we have a God who has these uh, qualities all together. And at the same time, our situation isn't going to change his qualities or attributes. All of him has a plan far beyond what we can understand. And so we put all of that together instead of trying to reduce him into uh, our own personal chosen categories for who he is. Your example of the salad, give me a salad that has a lot of ingredients. Mm. I don't want just lettuce. Yeah, kind of boring, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, I like that. Well, let's uh, conclude this uh, the episode, and we're thankful, David, for you being here, and uh, thankful for you, our listeners, to be here as well. Hopefully, you'll join us again for our next episode. Thanks for joining us for the Make Disciples podcast. We would love it if you would subscribe, leave a review, and spread the word. This podcast can be found in Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This podcast is a ministry of Wildwood Church in Tallahassee, Florida. Please join us again for our next episode of Make Disciples.